Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. For those of you who don't know me, I am married to Josh, and um, we started this church about three years ago. We have three kids, Landry, Brooks, who usually talks more than that video, and, and Mabry. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to be with you. We're going to be just sharing how God has breathed fresh life into our motherhood with you. And as I was starting to think about this, um, I was a little conflicted because I know a lot of you here aren't moms, maybe not yet or maybe not ever because, you know, biology. But, you know, and I didn't want to, like, exclude anybody. And the more I prayed about it, I just felt that God was saying this to me. And it's going to be on the screen because I just thought, I was like, that's good, that's good. I need to share it. But he's saying, God speaks universal truths to individual situations. Just because you're not in my situation doesn't mean you can't benefit from his truth. Um, so I just don't want you guys to check out because I know that God has something for each and every one here today. Um, like I said, motherhood is not a journey for all, but the wisdom and peace that God offers through motherhood is not unique to this situation. Um, it has been the vehicle God has used in my life to just show me some of his most profound truths, and I'm just I'm grateful to share that with you today. I'm going to give you just a little bit of, just in a nutshell, uh, the story of my motherhood so far. Um, so Josh and I have been married about six years when Landry came along. We felt ready. It was time, you know, to have kids. We um, felt as prepared as you can be. You're never prepared. You just don't know until you know kind of thing. Um, so Landry came along. He was the perfect baby, like by the book. He napped. He ate well. He never cried. Um, and I thought, gosh, I can do this. this I'm awesome, Mom. Um, I felt so confident about it that I told Josh when he was about nine months, I said, I think, I think we can have another one. Let's do, let's do this again. And um, then Landry started walking, and he started talking, and he started taking on this whole personality that I was not prepared for, and still not on most days. Um, Landry and I can be like oil and water. We're very different. Um, sometimes that's not always a good combination. So um, anyway, just as I had measured my like motherhood on how great of a baby was, I started measuring it on how misbehaved a toddler he was, how loud he was, how busy he was. I remember crying after a mommy and me music class one day because he was the only 18-month-old that wouldn't sit in the circle and play his little instrument. And the teacher felt the need to keep pointing that out to me. And I remember sitting in the car going, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I do this? Um, and so then came Brooks. And we moved here, and it was just a wave of just postpartum depression that just pretty much knocked us all out. And, um, and, then, and then came Mabry, and I looked at Josh the other day and said, we, came, we just had too many kids in too short a time. It's just chaos. It's wonderful chaos. But, um, 
And I just let the lies get in my head and breed all kinds of anxieties of just, I was so exhausted, so ill-equipped, um, and I let those anxieties paralyze me and render me helpless um, and depressed. But God showed up for me, and that's what I want to talk about today. Um, it says in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. God's gracious grace is sufficient to cover our weakness, our weariness, our exhaustion, our anger, our mistakes we make when we're so tired. Um, his grace is sufficient. And this verse saved me in a way. I started clinging out of desperation to the hope and the truth in these words. I wanted to share with you just a devotional that popped into my inbox a couple weeks ago. I get it daily, but I never read it, ever. Um, but this one just kind of popped up to me because the title was Hope for the Weary Mom. And I thought, that's me. I could, I could probably identify with this. Um, and I read it, and I was like, I think I wrote this um, because it's exactly what I would say. Um, I didn't have the strength to reach out for my Savior, but I let the truth of his word reach the depths of my weary soul. I didn't have the energy to create pr powerful prayers, but I turned God's word into personal pleas. And slowly, surely, my desperation turned to peace. My circumstances hadn't changed, but something within me had. I was still stretched, but I was no longer sinking. I was still poured out, but I was no longer empty. I was still fatigued, but I was no longer frazzled. Um, and that's pretty much what has happened to me. Um, that verse in 2 Corinthians that I just read, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. God has taught me so much through the, just this simple verse that we probably know, um, but I began to just really meditate on it and it to be what I clung to in any of those seasons or situations that I felt so weak. Um, it's helped me to see that my weakness is not a reflection of me, but it's meant to point to God. Um, being weak is our greatest strength when it leads to desperate dependence on God. Being helpless is never hopeless when it leads to the cross. Um, it's really shifted my perspective, and this is what I want to encourage you, because just like I said, you know, weakness is not unique to motherhood. We're all weak on our knees some days where we can't, we don't have the strength of our own. And it's shifted my perspective. Instead of being a victim to my weakness, I've started to lean into it. I've almost started to surrender to it because I've started to take God at his word that he will show up for me. Um, Paul knew this too, and he goes on to say, so I take pleasure in weaknesses, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul got it. He knew that his weakness was the platform to, for God to show up in his life. Um, and so I've started, I'm not perfect in it, I mean, ever, you know, but there's still days when I grab, I grab onto my own strength, um, and those are the worst days, right? But when I just surrender to that weakness, to that weak place, I know that God is going to show up for me. Um, we can take joy in our weaknesses because we know God will show up. He will be our strength. He is always powerful, but his power is perfected when we are weak. Um, I think I've shared this from here before, but it's just so cool, such a cool analogy to me that um, our weakness is almost like, you know, God's superpower. It's the platform for him to really come and shine through our lives. Because when we're completely laid out and weak and void of our own strength, 
we know and everybody around us knows that it's only God. It's only God. It's not us. Um, and that has just, like I said, just changed my perspective and almost like, like Paul said, I take pleasure. I take pleasure in those times because it's almost like, what's God going to do now? You know, how's God going to show up? Um, yeah, when, he, when we are weak, helpless, exhausted, et cetera, et cetera, he gets all the glory. Our weakness allows God to show up and show off in our lives in a way that both we and the people around us know it is God and God alone. Um, it's so cool because now, I, I, it felt like forever when I was in that season. It felt like years and years and years um, that I was just knocked out, that I, I had to depend on Josh so much um, because I didn't have any strength of my own. I thought, you know, gosh, I'm ruining my kids, like just all these lies. Um, but it's so cool to look back and say, but I don't feel like that anymore. You know, um, the tide turned. God showed up. Like, and now um, Josh is in a season where he's depending on me, and it, I know it's in God's strength that I'm doing what I'm doing. Because there were so many days that I couldn't even get the kids in the car because it was too much, you know. And, um, and I've just been telling him, you know, it's not fun to surrender and sit in our weakness and, and just wonder why is this happening to me. It's not fun at all. But I think it's necessary sometimes for us to really learn the character of God and see him show up in our lives. Um, Richard Rohr says, transformation only happens through great love or great suffering. Um, and, and so I, that's why I think we can take pleasure in those times because that's when we really see our Savior and the heart of our Savior. Um, yeah. Um, so when I was so weak, there were some days I couldn't even reach for the, for the word. Um, I didn't even want to open it. I didn't want to turn to it. But others, I would just grab hold of a verse and repeat it over and over until it was a part of me. Um, and so I just encourage you, like, in those seasons where, where you maybe aren't going through a season of suffering or weakness, to get your arsenal ready, you know, to have those verses ready that when you do need them, and that's the only thing that comes to mind, it's there, you know, that you're pouring truth into your, your mind and you're letting it take a foothold and so that when you're in that situation, that is what's going to come to the forefront of your mind to drown out the lies um, that will be there in those seasons. Um, and that verse, like you said, for me has been 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Um, I'll just leave you with this. This is, was at the end of the devotional that I, I read the other day, but um, it's so true. You know, when we take hold of that one verse, maybe it's just one word, one verse, whatever it is, that's the wonder of God's word, dear friends. It sustains us and supports us. It restores us and remakes us. And when we take hold of its truth, the truth holds us too. Um, just pray and close out in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for holding us and showing up for us when we sometimes don't even have the strength to reach out to you. I thank you for showing up in my life, and I thank you for how you're going to show up um, in others' lives so we can just point all the glory back to you. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And thank you. And now um, let's welcome Sarah and hear how God has breathed fresh life into her motherhood. Thank you. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Um, 
I, first of all, feel just so incredibly blessed to be up here. I feel so incredibly blessed to be a mother. Um, I, my name is Sarah. Um, my husband is serving back in kids. He's Colby. Um, I have a handsome stepson named Jaden that you saw brought me to tears. I was not expecting that. So it's just been some powerful breakthrough in all of that. Um, I've seen God show up. So that meant so much to me. And, um, and I have a beautiful daughter named Selah. She's seven months old. Guys, I prepared this whole sermon. I was so proud of myself because I was not procrastinating for like the first time in my life. And I wrote all of this about how just God's peace and just his presence has carried me through new seasons of marriage and then stepmotherhood and then being a full-time mom. And I was excited and God was like, that's, that's good. That message is good. But I have something else for my people and I sat there and was like, wait, you want me to erase all of this? I'm confused. And in that moment, I realized that I had to surrender all of that. And I sat there and I deleted the entire thing. Um, because in that moment, I realized there was something else that maybe one person in here needed to hear from this other message that he had. And it was in my surrender that I just sat here and was like, God, I'm really worried. I'm stressed. And he just said, stop. And just rest in my presence for a second. Just praise me first before anything else. And I just, on my notes, um, I didn't even mean anything from this, but I just jotted down what I needed from him and where my strength was going to come from. And I just rehearsed that. And I said, God, in my tears and my stress, I need you. What you've said in your word remains true. Help me to gain confidence in what you've called me to do. I know that you will see it through. And it was in that moment that I just was rehearsing that, and God said, I want you to use that. I want you to use that first, because what I showed you in that season of you surrendering that, and by just saying, come to me, praise me first, was, are you giving me your first in every area of your life? Are you giving me your first with parenthood? Am I saying, God, Selah and Jaden are yours before they were mine, and I surrender them to you? Or even situations like, God, my child is misbehaving. Help me to identify with them and parent the way that you want me to. Or in your friendship, your best friend hurts your feelings. Are you saying, God, restore me with grace towards them. Help us restore this friendship instead of calling your best friend and gossiping. Are you going to God first? In your marriage, are you saying, my marriage is broken and I need you, God. I need you to step in. I need you show, to show me how to learn to love that person again. I need you to show me how to forgive and how to be forgiven. Instead of going and gossiping about what's going on in your life, are you seeking him first? As if, God, if we give our God our first, he says, I will help you, I will protect you, and I will give you wisdom. In this season of motherhood, I have experienced many firsts. First time, my sleep being interrupted every few hours. First time, not being able to just run into the grocery store and grab something. First time, saying no to plans after 7 p.m. because my daughter has a scheduled bedtime. But our seasons change, and in each season change, our hands are full of inconvenience, restless work, thankless work, and restless days. And when Jesus is our first, he reminds us that our hands are full, but that they are full of blessing. It's in resting and coming to him first that he reveals those truths to us. He gives us fresh perspective to know what he has called us to and how he is going to bring it th us through. I want to ask you these questions, and I rehearse them to myself, and just I want to 
I want to say them every single day, but whose approval are you looking for? The fallen world or the secure father? What words are you rehearsing? Damaging ones or healing ones? Are you being molded by the commands of this world or are you calling upon the father for the exact plan that he has designed for only you? Are your roots attached to the ideals of false expectations or are you attaching your roots to the firm foundation of the living gospel? Are you allowing God to erase everything that you have designed for a life full of unknowns? And are you asking him for joy in the morning or are you gripping despair and dread? There will be disappointments. There will be failed expectations in motherhood and in every season of your life. They want to enslave you and hold you captive to resentment. So that is why it is important that we remind ourselves of the gospel truths that rescues us from having to respond to the way that our sinful flesh prefers. Let's act from a place of grace and from a place of freedom from bondage because we know that we are strengthened by grace because we are given righteousness in Jesus Christ. We have to stop searching the world for our security and say, first, God, I am yours and I surrender everything to you. My day, I give to you. My season, I give to you. Even if you just have two seconds of every day, make those two seconds count. Start by just saying the name of Jesus because there is so much power in the name of Jesus that shuts down the enemy and gives us richness, limited richness of grace and kindness from God. We have to know that it is our continual contact with him that keeps us at peace and it keeps us guarded from desiring approval from anyone but God alone. And he confirms in his word, in John 14, 27, he says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but the perfect peace. Rest in that. He is giving us the gift of perfect peace The world wants to convince us that peace is obtainable apart from God, but God confidently says in his word that apart from him, there is no peace. And he confidently proves that perfect peace is above our own understanding and that perfect peace makes us feel peaceful when our situations and our circumstances say that we should be overwhelmed and upset. In Hebrews 12, 3, it says, so consider carefully how God faces such opposition from, or how Jesus faces such opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Our faith must align with the lessons that are in scripture so that we feel rested and not worn down by life's pressures so that God can reveal himself as the one who cares for you. We must become strong in our weakness, lifting our tired hands in prayer and in worship. We don't want to miss out on God-given opportunities for spiritual, bro- spiritual growth because when we view motherhood or our calling in general as a role of task and to-dos, we will miss out on fully enjoying God. What happens is we overcommit ourselves to the pressures of this world. We say, God, I'm going to come to you first thing every morning and read an hour of your word. And what happens is life happens and you get busy and your kids are crying and you have to take them to school or, or you need to get to work and you're late and you only got 30 minutes. So what happens is the enemy torments you all day by making you feel guilty and shameful for not spending an hour instead of resting in that 30 minutes and gaining your strength. Or you say, I'm 
I'm going to read my daily devotional every morning. And what happens that morning is you were late to work. So you get to work and you read it so fast that you don't retain it. And so you walk into work and you are feeling restless instead of rested. But God says, stop. I believe he wants to put his hand on your shoulder and just help you to breathe for a second and says, let me rescue you from the pressure to spend more time with me. God doesn't care if we have two seconds, two minutes, or two hours. What he cares about is the quality of your time. He wants quality over quantity, and God wants desperate hearts, not distracted hearts. He wants to know, can you learn to embrace me when there is noise and when the pressures of the world are heavy? Can you praise me anyways? I remember feeling desperate for quiet time in my new season of motherhood. I transitioned from singleness to being married to stepmotherhood to then motherhood. And I was always looking back at the last season saying, oh, I felt closer to God then because I had more quality time with God. But God was revealing to me that, Sarah, your season looks different, but I am the same. Your season has changed, but I am the same. And he said, your quiet time is gonna look different now. It's gonna be a little noisier. Can you learn to, to come close to me when the toys are clanking in the background? Can you learn to hear my voice through the dad, dad, dads and the screaming anxious cries for attention? I felt like God was also starting to ask me, why are you trying to take your children out of your daily routine? Why are you not showing them what a praying parent looks like? What a surrendered parent, look, surrendered life looks like? What going to God first looks like? Selah may not be able to understand right now, but it's the routine. It's me starting to say, hey, let's pray before our day gets started. There may be good days where she's completely quiet and restless and, or rested and happy, and I can sit her in my lap, and I can read the word of God out loud to her. And there may be days where she is screaming, crying, and she is restless. And those are the days that I pick her up and I worship with her, just singing God's praises, inviting her into the presence of God first thing throughout her day and to show her the importance of that. And I believe that God shows us that the world isn't going to teach them those things, but that God wants to say, make me known by allowing me to be the center of your family, not just the center of your study time. God's anointing is present in the middle of our chaos, and we have to learn to live above our circumstances. God wants us to surrender our day, our season, our responsibilities, and even our feelings to him so that we can fix our eyes on him and not fix our eyes on trying to control the situation, but to stay in constant communication with him. Because if we don't, we create this false vision of this perfect scenario that becomes an idol directing our life. But instead, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us minute by minute. There will be so many things that seek to distract you and discourage you from the good things that God has given us. Like, I may not be rescued from the next blowout diaper, and you may not be rescued from the next breakup, or the next job loss, or the next gig that didn't go so well, but we must know and believe that by preaching the gospel truths to ourselves daily reveals that God is the permanent and prevailing reality of our lives. We have to abide in him, finding our rest in the power that is in the name of Jesus. And we have to remember what the word says. In Psalms 1-3, they will be standing firm like a flourishing tree, planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of their lives. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous.
God, we just thank you so much for showing up today. God, thank you for revealing in your truths and in your scripture that there is perfect peace that is obtainable through surrendering our lives and coming into your presence, God. We just pray that your Holy Spirit just breathes that over everyone in here today. And we thank you for your word and the power that's behind it. And in your name we pray, amen. All right, so now I'm looking forward to Miss Stacy coming to the stage, bringing the power. Woo! Good morning, good morning. Well, I don't even know if I need to come up here because of the wisdom bombs that Ashley dropped and the passion that um, Sarah has. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should go home. But I have something, so I'm just going to say it anyway, okay? Um, well, I'm going to start with a quote that I read this week. If y'all can put, if it can be put on the screen, did it get brought in? It says, um, Try to see your child as a seed that came in a packet without a label. Your job is to provide the right environment and nutrients and to pull the weeds. You can't decide what kind of flower you'll get or which season it will bloom. I love that. I'm like, don't we all want to like pick it and then tell it when to bloom and you know what to do? But we can't do that as a parent. And so I like um, Ashley shared I felt like what I, the Lord gave me to share today is not something just for mothers, and it's not just something, you know, that if you're a mom in here to listen, it's for everyone who is a parent and everyone who is going to be a parent someday, or you can apply it to re other relationships in your life. And so, but it's, I called it my top parenting advice, though apply it to whatever. And that is love your kids where they are and pray them to where they need to be in the calling on their lives, in the God-given calling on their lives. If you're, new, if you're a new parent or not a parent yet, you might think, well, that sounds super easy. Yeah, it does sound that way. But trust me, being a mom is one of the um, most difficult tasks that you're going to ever be called to. You're going to be tested in every imaginable area and in every fruit of the Spirit, especially patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, <laughs> and unconditional love. So, <laughs> you know, parenting, God is like, you know, do those fruits of the Spirit, and I'm like, well, you're going to have to fill me up and grow me a little more. So, but um, we have a friend that is, um, he's a musician, my husband's in the music business, and we did a show recently, and he was in the band, and so backstage, or at a rehearsal, actually, I was talking with him one night, and um, he, they just had a new baby, and so his wife wasn't there, she was home with the baby, and you know, he was talking about, oh, parenthood is so great, and I was like, isn't it awesome, and he said, yes, he said, it's like nothing, and this guy is like this big burly, he looks like a biker. He plays for Hank Williams Jr. You know, he's just that guy. And he looked at me and he said, the minute I saw my baby girl and they handed her to me, I looked at her and said, I know we just met, but I would literally die for you. And I was like, yep, that's what parenting does. That's the way I felt. And it's the way I still feel about my children who are now basically adults, but still feel that way. Um, when they're little, we begin to dream and fantasize about, you know, the perfect child, I mean, the perfect adult they're going to be. 
um, you know, the perfect kids they're going to be, the people they're going to grow up to be. And then we realize that somewhere along the way, that little angel is going to disappoint you. It may be that, you know, they're a fussy baby. They may be a strong-willed child. Maybe they aren't as smart as you hoped they would be. Maybe they have personality traits that you just really don't like. And those usually come from your spouse. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe they grow up and they fall into addictions. Or maybe you disagree over politics. Or maybe, you know, God forbid, they grow up and they struggle in their faith and that they wander away from the teachings that you've taught them their whole life. That's about the worst nightmare that any Christian parent can have. So what do we do in these situations? How do we handle it? And the answer is that we love them where they are, and then we pray, pray, pray. Um, love is the most powerful weapon that we can literally, that we have. It can literally break down walls, it can heal hearts, and it can rescue someone from the pit. It's so powerful because, you know, anyone can love someone who's, you know, good and well-behaved or kind or all that. But when you can love someone, when they have character traits that you're not that fond of, that is powerful. It shows them it doesn't matter what you do. You're, any action you do can't separate my love for you. And that is the power of love. And that is the power of the cross. Because um, Jesus did that for us. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were still sinners, out of his great love for us, Jesus died for us. We didn't have to straighten our lives up to be loved. He loved us where we were, and he redeemed us in that place. We have to love our kids right where they are. And that doesn't mean don't discipline. I believe in discipline. The Bible says train your children up in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. But in disciplining them, which is training, training them, make sure that they know, yes, that behavior is unacceptable, but I love you unconditionally. That is going to break down walls in your parenting that's going to help you in your relationship with your children. Um, also, this is a side note, and I don't know how much time I have. Oh, gosh, I better hurry. It's a side note, but um, the Lord told me not to parent out of fear. You know, sometimes, especially when your kids are older, you parent out of fear. Well, they're not going to like me. Oh, they're going to tell their friends that I'm a bad parent. Oh, they may move out when they're 18 because they hate me so much, you know, and all these things. And the Lord said, do not parent out of fear. You teach them the way of the Lord. It doesn't matter. If they're sinning, you call it out in love. And then that love is going to be what brings them and keeps them, you know, in relationship with God and with you. So now I'm getting back on track. So we love people where they are. Um, many years ago, my husband suffered with addictions. If you were here at the um, Women's Rooted Conference, I shared my story, and I talked about this a little bit. Um, it was, a, you know, a very difficult time, and the Lord said to me, Stacy, when you love Bobby the way he is, then I'll heal him. And I was like, ah. Oh anything but that. You know, I can't love him like this. I really don't like him most days, so this is not a good deal. He's never going to be healed. But thankfully, I couldn't love him, but I said, God, love him through me. Help me to love him the way 
that he needs to be loved and where he is. And so that's what happened. And the Lord eventually did heal him. Praise God, 20 years he's been healed and delivered and set free. And so it's the same with our kids. When they go through difficult places, um, we have to love them where they are. Love breaks down barriers that no amount of lecturing or nagging ever will. Trust me on that. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And verse 8 says, Love never fails. I love that verse. Love never fails. It never fails. It never fails. Love never fails. It's powerful. And when you combine it with prayer, then it's like a double whammy on the enemy. So there's nothing that increases your prayer life like having kids. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. I found out when I was pregnant that I was going to become like this crazy mother hen, you know, crazy prayer warrior, and that enemy is not getting his hands on my kids, you know, or whatever. So, and I can look back and see at times when I slacked off in that prayer for my kids, then the enemy did come in. Maybe I was tired or maybe I was going through a, grieving season in my life or different things like that and I didn't pray for my kids like I should have been and I can look back now and see those are the times where the enemy came in and tried to get a foothold so be strong even in the weak times in your life pray for your kids and ask God for a word for your kids I know some of you might say well I don't hear from God I don't know but the Bible says that we are his sheep and that the sheep knows the shepherd knows the shepherd's voice so you listen and God will speak. And if you, you know, have a problem with that, we'll talk later and we'll just learn how to hear from the, the voice of God. But he will speak to you. And you ask for a word from, from God for your child, then you pray that word in. If you don't have a word, ask him today. If you still don't hear a word, then go to the Bible and find a scripture that you want to apply to your child's life. And you pray that scripture over them because the Bible says that all of his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? So, and we have to believe and don't doubt. Matthew 21, 21 says, when we pray, we must believe and not doubt. Then we can say to that mountain to fall into the sea and it will. So you take authority over situations when you believe and you don't doubt. There's a um, movie quote that I love. I was chatting with Matt earlier this week, and it reminded me of it, and I was like, I'm going to include that. It's from the movie The Santa Claus. I don't know if any of y'all have seen that, but um, so Tim Allen, through the series of events, becomes the new Santa, and so he goes to the North Pole for the first time, and he's standing up there, and he's looking out, and there's just this magical, you know, stuff going on, and he's like, wow. He sees this polar bear ice skating or something, and he says, I see it, but I don't believe it. And the little elf, Judy, looks at him and she says, well, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And that, I was like, the minute I heard that, I was like, yes, Lord, that's what faith is. Faith is believing until we see it. Believe it until you see it. Proclaim it until it comes, becomes reality. That is faith, and that's what we have to do. So, but there's power not only in loving and believing, but there is power in receiving. You have to receive the word. You have to receive salvation. You can hear about salvation, but until you receive it, it doesn't change your life, right? 
So we receive the word from the Lord. So in closing, I'm going to tell a story. I am on time. Y'all should clap for that. With me, that is rare. <laughs> I am going to close with a story that happened several years ago, um, and it's about, you know, believing and receiving. So um, I, we went to church with a couple, and I actually messaged her this week and said, hey, I'm going to share this story, you know, um, is that okay and all that? And she, of course, was like, yes. Her name is Paula Nelson, and um, she and her husband were trying to get pregnant for about eight years. We went to church together. They went to the prayer line every time. They, you know, sought God. They just really struggled with wanting a baby, wanting a baby. And the Lord, you know, just had not blessed them yet at that time, you know. And so it was a real struggle. It was a real heart issue for Paula. And so one Sunday, I'm sitting in church, and we kind of always sit at the back, and I know that's bad. I'm a back row Baptist, but, you know, that way I can kind of, the Lord kind of speaks to me about people sometimes, and so I try to just pray for him. But I was sitting back in kind of the back, and I see Paula get up, and the Lord said, tell Paula it's her time to have a baby. And I was like, huh, no, I'm not telling her that. No way. They want a baby and I'm not going to be, you know, getting her hopes up and it not happen. And he said, tell her. And she's walking by and I grabbed her arm and I was like, Paula, the Lord said, it's your time. And she looked at me in the eyes. I'll never forget it. And she looked at me and she said, I received that. And I said, all right, my job is done. <laughs> yes, you know, so this is good. She received it. It's good, you know. So I go home, and the Lord is like, um, Stacy, I told you to say it's your time to have a baby. And I was like, I know that, but, you know, what if I heard you wrong or whatever? I just don't want to disappoint her, but, hey, I did good. I told her what, mm, no, mm. So I was like, oh, God, all week the Lord was just on me about it. So the next Sunday, it was um, groundbreaking day. We were building a new building Everybody had driven out to the site. We're standing out there, and it's over, and I'm thinking, I'm getting away with this. I'm getting away with this. And I see Bill and Paula driving up, and the Lord's like, go tell her. I said, it's her time to have a baby, and I was like, God. so I'm flagging her down. I'm like, Paula, Bill, stop the car. I got something to tell you, you know. So they come over, and she rolls down the window, and I said, Paula, I know last week that the Lord said, to, you know, no, that I told you, um, it's your time. But what the Lord really said was, it's your time to have a baby. And I know that's a sensitive place with you. And I never want to say anything that, you know, and she's like, girl, it's okay. And she smiled and she said, I received that. And I said, okay, okay. And the Lord showed me one time that when two people agree like that, you give, you receive, when you agree in prayer, that it's like fireworks going off in the spiritual realm, and it does things, and it's powerful, and so I was like, okay, so then that Tuesday night, that was on a Sunday, that Tuesday night, I get home, and I mean, I'm at home, and the phone rings, and I answer it, and she said, Stacy, this is Paula, and I said, oh, hey, Paula, you know, how are you, and I'm thinking, she's probably like, I want to talk to you more about that word, you know, and I'm like, oh, God. But that's not what she said. She said, I wanted to tell you Sunday, but I couldn't because I had to tell my mom first, but I'm pregnant. And I was like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. 
She said that morning she had actually gone to the store and run into some other mutual friends of ours, and they were there, and they had just found out they were pregnant with their fifth child, and that she was so downcast when she came to church that morning because they were pregnant with their fifth child, and all she wanted was one child. So when the Lord had me, you know, speak that to her, she just was like, I receive it. I am taking hold of that promise, and it is going to happen. So she was pregnant, and so now they have a little girl. Oh, she's probably 17 now, <laughs> but she was little. Her name's Trinity. And so, um, you know, I just want to encourage you all today to first love your children where they are. Love that person in your life where they are, whatever you may be going through, whatever they may be going through, love them there. Then pray for them. Pray for them to walk in the God-given calling on their lives. Believe it and then receive the word that is given to you. And in a few minutes, Matt's going to come up. You can come on up. And the prayer team is going to be up front. If you have a need today, I encourage you to come down and not just come down like, oh, I don't know, but come down in confidence in Christ. There is power in his name. We sang about it this morning. There is power, power in Acts. This is in my notes. This is extra. In Acts, um, that you know, um, I think it's, uh, who James and John are walking into the temple and the lame man is laying there. I'm probably giving the wrong names. But anyway, and he says, you know, give me money or whatever. And they say, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have is healing in the name of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus that that man got up and walked. There is power in the name. So if you have a prayer need, you come down today. Let the prayer team pray for you. You believe and you receive the word of the Lord for your life. That's it. Thank you for letting me share. Awesome. Come on, let's give it up for all of them that spoke. Miss Stacy, Miss Ashley, Miss Sarah. Man, that was powerful. That was powerful.